Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Overtime, which is our weekly production where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. Uh, for those of you that are trying to watch live, thanks for hanging in there with us. Had some tech difficulties, but we think that we're in good shape now. We'll find out, or you'll find out soon enough. But thanks so much for joining us. Um, before we jump into kind of what we talked about this past weekend. And a few minutes ago. Yeah, and a few minutes ago as we started that conversation. Um, what we always like to do is give you kind of an update or some of the announcements of some of the things that are happening within the church. Currently, if you're watching us live, you know this, but if you're watching this via podcast or um, or I should say watching it via our website or listening via podcast, the day that we're recording this is on February 23rd. So on February 24th, which is a Wednesday night, we're pretty excited. We're starting a brand new class on COW, which stands for Connect on Wednesday. This is a class that's going to be taught by one of our elders, L.K. Jordan, and he's going through the book Soul Keeping with John Ortberg, who wrote that. So we're pretty excited. It's a six-week class um, that you can be a part of, and really, how do you tend and keep care of your soul, and what are the steps needed for that? So we would encourage you, if you're interested in doing that, to email Gary at clcfamily.church. It is a Zoom online class that you can participate from your the comfort of your couch, your very own home. Um, and if you're interested in hearing some of the other options that we have on Wednesdays, there's options for middle school, high school. Throughout the week, we do have an elementary kind of small group that meets. So if you're interested in any of those things, please let us know. You can contact the church or, again, you can just email Gary at clcfamily.church. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have and would love for you to be a part of what we're doing here at the Christian Life Center. So specifically the 24th on Wednesday, the 24th of February, this brand new class. But in general, if you're looking to get connected, we would love for that to be a possibility for you. So with that, we're going to kind of jump back into or once again back into our conversation on Happy Strife, Happy Life week three so would you like to once again that'd be my pleasure give us what a is recap. this what number is this 71 72 what this is think? week 71 early yeah. 71 so you know i'm batting 800 or something like that yeah we're things. pretty we're pretty, pretty high pretty but so thanks for joining us um it's been a kind of a fun journey and you know this because if you're tuning in this it's because you've already logged in and spent 54 minutes this sunday with us in the message training but it's about 45 and not pretty regularly or somewhere around there this week a little bit longer um but what we've been in is a series called Happy Strife, Happy Life Plus. What we mean by the plus is it just going to cost you a little bit more. Um, but you're going to get a lot more out of it. Right? That, that's kind of the plus you see with all these different you know, subscription channels. So we're in a series called Happy Strife, Happy Life. So in order to understand plus, you have to understand just the normal one. But in order to understand the normal one, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, which is basically a writer who's telling us how we can have certainty about Jesus and the kingdom of heaven right here in the middle of this really broken, complicated world. And so we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke, all the Gospels, really all the scriptures, kind of contrast the, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, right? There's, there's two different kingdoms. And what we're trying to figure out is how do we, right in the here and now, live in the kingdom of heaven? And Luke is going to tell us we can have certainty about living in the kingdom of heaven. And the only way by which you live in the kingdom of heaven is by access to it through Jesus. And you go, well, how in the world do you get access to it through Jesus? And that's what we've been kind of working through the last three weeks in the plus series is faith, 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 faith is the key, literal and figurative, to the kingdom of heaven. You want to enter into the kingdom of heaven. When I experience the kingdom of heaven, it actually happens by faith. So it makes sense if we think it's by faith. The scriptures even tell us it's impossible to please God without faith. And faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. It would make sense that we'd open up God's word and figure out what is faith. And so the last three weeks we've been looking at is Kind of big idea of what faith is. And there's three components I want you to know about. First one is faith is initiated and starts with Jesus himself, right? You can't go to the Himalayan mountains and conjure it up deep down in your soul and find it. Like, you know. Tibetan mountains? Tibetan mountains. Is that what you that's mean? That's what I And that's the ones where uh, Batman begins or Is whatever. that? I don't even know. Probably. No. But you can't, like, go search deep down and just, like, grow it in yourself, right? Faith doesn't begin with you. It begins with Jesus, the second piece is it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Your theology doesn't have to be perfect at all. Um, in fact, you can have doubts. In fact, the big idea of this past week was we should obey Jesus even when we doubt. Faith is obeying even when your senses tell you otherwise. And definitely faith is obeying even in the middle of your doubts. The first one doesn't start. It starts with Jesus, not you. Second one is it doesn't have to be perfect. And the third one it has very little to do with your own certainty of your faith and everything to do with the object that you're placing your certainty in. And 
Jesus. So it's really, really neat in this plus series. We kind of saw all three of those play out in this centurion a couple weeks back where he, the light bulb comes on. Jesus initiates it. He doesn't have all of his theology straight, but he knows that Jesus is the one with the authority. He goes and says, Jesus, if you if you say it, it will happen. And all of a sudden we see one of his servants who was sick be healed, right? So we see all three of those. Then last week, not this past Sunday, but it's an important. We really saw a picture of what it looks like for Jesus to initiate the faith. We saw it with a, a um, probably a young mom, a middle-aged mom with a teenage boy who is dead. And Jesus shows up in her town, a little bit of hillbilly town called Nain. And Jesus does all the work and brings complete healing to this boy. He was dead. And she he brought her back to life, brought him back to life and had nothing, nothing to do with the lady and everything to do with Jesus initiating yeah. it. Faith is initiated them. And this past week, finally, 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 we're in week number two, or week number three, but the second part of this is we get to really look at what it looks like to doubt and still have faith that we get the greatest human who ever lived in the kingdom of earth, John the Baptist, as our example. And so what you got to know about John is John uh, was the pre-runner for Jesus, the trumpeteer, the one who announced, who was quoting Isaiah saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths, remove, remove mountaintops from valleys, make crooked paths straight so that all mankind could see God's salvation. Like John was the announcer of this wasn't the wasn't the one who brought salvation but was the one who say remove all the other steps so that you can see what jesus has initiated and jesus says he's the greatest that have ever has ever lived but we find john he's in the middle of a prison the gospel of luke doesn't tell us this but the gospel of mark and matthew matthew tells us those things and so we can understand that he's in prison he's being persecuted which is so complicated because we say hey you can experience the kingdom of heaven and you can experience it now and it doesn't seem like in the middle of a ditch in a dungeon that you would experience yeah. the kingdom of heaven. And John, that's a really sincere question about faith. Yeah. He sends his disciples and says, hey, will you ask Jesus if he's the one or should he look for another? In other words, yeah. is he really the key to the kingdom of heaven? Like, is he really the access card? Like, is he yeah. see it? Because if he's not, I should look for another. And based on my current circumstances, I am suspicious. I have some doubt about whether or not he's the way and John sends his disciples to ask the questions and Jesus' response is so gracious reminds him of some really beautiful things of what Jesus promised and then gave him some evidence of what Jesus has done and then pointed to how we live in the kingdom even amidst our struggles and our yeah. doubts all those things I have no doubt we'll work back through it yeah. but we're trying to figure out how do we follow Jesus amidst our doubts because they are a part of our life and they yeah. come with us everywhere we go and it's possible to live in the kingdom of heaven and experience it even with doubts as a quick little side note, uh, Christian did say the volume's not bad, but we could probably bring it up just a little bit. But uh, kind of jumping back into the discussion, um, what I think is interesting is as we talked we'll about- We'll feed your ears, baby birds. <laughs> what we talked about from, so this is week three, just going back a couple weeks, right? Um, week three of the plus series, Happy Strife, Happy Life. But what was so cool is that first week you see that the centurions really kind of praised for his faith. Yeah. Second week you see really there's no mention of faith at all from this widow. But then this third week, we've got kind of a, the mix of both of those, right? Yeah. Because John the Baptist was the one preparing for what, the way of the Lord, right? Yeah. He was the one announcing and going into the countryside and baptizing with water. Yeah. And then we also see this other side where he's in a dungeon and he's in a prison cell going, hey, are, are, are you the one? Are you, are you really it? Yeah. So, so it's a pretty cool contrast to see all three of these stories kind of back to back to back. Which is really nice because next week we're going to see this woman who just pours out her adoration mm -hmm. on Jesus, right? She doesn't have it all figured out. She might be making good decisions with her, her stuff, yeah. right? But it's not about her ability. It's not about her certainty. It's about the object that she's placing her faith in, Jesus. Yeah. So really, really neat. I'm very thankful for how this series has played out. Definitely worth the time. I would suggest if you just know tuning in for the first time, Hey, uh, grab grab a iPod, iPhone, whatever. Go back and start with Happy Strife, Happy Life, Week One, and yeah. catch up to speed. Got a couple more weeks, but it's right, uh, right. be worth your time to do that. So as we jump weekend. kind of into that discussion, and basically we were in it's Luke seven verses eighteen through thirty three this past week. Yeah. But as we jump in, one of the things that you started to talk about um, was kind of the 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 way that the system of government worked yeah. in Rome and in this time specifically in Judea. Um, or Judea or Galilee, like yep. how did that work? Because Herod becomes a pretty prominent figure, even though he's not really mentioned here, we know that he's a prominent figure. Yeah, so it stinks is I, I, if you watch this week, which you should have, right? We keep yeah. saying this, but obviously that'd be step one. 
I had all my flannel board, the stuff that really matters, except for I couldn't find John the Baptist. I was looking all over, and I was like, oh, I guess he's in a dungeon somewhere. Yeah. Right? So I couldn't find him anywhere. And then at the end, the big crescendo is awareness and analysis. We'll get there. I couldn't find the word awareness anywhere. Analysis one and two is like, oh, my goodness, I have all this stuff. It doesn't really matter. The very important parts. And so John yeah. will make it. Uh, he'll show back up. But, you know, months back when we were using the felt board to talk about this, we kind of saw this weird hierarchy of Herod the Great. Right. His, his boys and the half-brothers and the, the, the mixing of wives and the stepdaughter, all sorts of yeah. mess. But so what you got to know is uh, there's this guy named Herod the Great. He shows up in the scriptures and, by the way, shows up in history, like extracurricular, secular documents. So he's a real person in real history. And Herod the Great called himself the Great, which is... Wait, did he call... He made well, the term? I don't know if he did it. I mean, I know he referred to himself as that. I know others did. I would imagine it probably initiates with him. Absolutely yeah. Yeah. initiates with him. And so, like, yeah. So, but anyway, he wasn't, he wasn't the king of all of the Roman Empire, right? Right. So that would be in a, uh, Caesar Augustus, Julius Caesar, uh, these different... Caesars. And so the right. word Caesar, you know, or emperor, was the, the one who oversaw the whole Roman Empire. And as okay. you can imagine, it keeps expanding throughout. But part of what was, what was uh, that, what, the, what, that territory that was a part of the Roman Empire was, you know, Israel, the yeah. nation. And so in the nation, there was a leader who was over the nation. He was actually referred to usually as the king of the okay. Jews. And that yeah. happened to be Herod the Great. You'll know the story because Herod the Great loves being worshipped. Really good at architecture, has some really cool buildings and property and pools, all sorts of amazing stuff. But he was an evil, evil person yeah. who, you know, murdered a lot of his family every time that he felt like one of them was going to take some of his power. In fact, he gets this whisper that there is the real Messiah, the real Savior, who's right. going to show up. And so what he does is he decides if it's a new Messiah was going to be born, the Savior of the Jews, the Savior of the world, he actually makes this mandate that all baby boys would be murdered, right? Yeah. Jesus was one of them, and so this is where Jesus flees the Egypt outside of... But even that, like, that's crazy how much authority he had. Like, so at that point, Caesar doesn't go, hey, Herod the Great, maybe you shouldn't... Like, at that point, it's just like, oh, okay, go for it, Herod. Yeah, exactly. So, like, look, you'll, here's the thing. You keep your world in order, yeah. you keep giving me my funds, yeah, okay. and when I need you or your soldiers... You make them, give them to me okay. at my disposal. So the whole goal of Herod the Great was to rule and to reign. Yeah. But he had to keep an emperor happy. So yeah. Herod the Great dies, and he has multiple kids. And they're going to kind of vie for his power, be the king of the Jews. And one of his kids is Herod Antipas, who gets the name Herod the Tetrarch. The reason Tetrarch, it means fourth, right? Okay. So Herod the Great over all of Israel. Now, Herod Antipas, he is actually gets the name Tetrarch because he only, the emperor, Augustus at the time, gives him only a fourth of the territory. Mm -hmm. So he's like, hey, you'll be a governor of fourth ter territory. Not only are you going to be a governor of fourth of it, you're going to get the, the hillbilly part of it. <laughs> so Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch, becomes uh, the, the ruler of Galilee, the mm -hmm. redneck area of, of, of the nation of Israel, right? But that's not his, he has aspirations. Yeah, right. He wants daddy's old job. He wants to be the king and the way you get yeah. to that role is you prove to the emperor, Augustus, that, that you can handle all those things. So his job is to make sure he collects the right amount of money and keeps order, particularly for people who had a different worldview, the Jews. Yeah. And so there's this weird relationship between Herod the Great and the Jews and the system that they all kind of work together with the temple and the temple taxes. And yeah. so part of Antipas's job was to just kind of keep making that stuff happen. Right. Now, the problem is, is if you have people within that who go, we don't believe in the system, we're right. going to buck the system, there needs to be a revolution. And there was a guy who started speaking about this revolution, and he happened to come from the little yeah. mountain towns. And he, uh, and so John the Baptist is making this declaration that there is a new king and a new kingdom coming. And he literally said, repent, or the kingdom is near. So you can imagine Antipas going, uh-oh, yeah. if this guy starts his revolt, I'm going to lose some power and authority, and Emperor Augustus definitely ain't going to allow me to right. be the king of it all. Right. So what does he do? Figures out whatever he can to stop John the Baptist. His first step is to imprison him. Maybe that will shut him up, right? Yeah. Throw him in a dungeon. Now, eventually what's going to happen is he's literally going to cut his head off. And so this is where we find John the Baptist. Now, when you read the Gospel of Luke, it doesn't tell you any of this, right? Right. right. It just uh, Luke's like, hey, let me just tell you what's happening. John the Baptist, everybody would have known, that's his follower, first follower, yeah. really, the, the declare that. The, you know, the trumpeter, he is now going to ask a question. Now, we know through context of the scriptures and history that this guy's in a dungeon. Yeah. So we know have this understanding of where John the Baptist is, and he is not in a good spot. No, this is all. not a place any of us want to be. I don't wish it on yeah. any of you. So what do you do when you're in that spot, when you've declared that the kingdom of heaven is near, and John the Baptist is going, 
Well, where do I use the bathroom? Yeah, right. Oh, right here in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Okay. So this bucket, this is it, right? Yeah. And so this is where we find him, which makes sense as he's there and Antipas is making sure to keep control over him that he's had some real questions of, yeah. is this it? Which is one of the big dilemmas of Christianity is yeah. you've been promised some puppies and rainbows things. Yeah, and instead right. you've gotten dungeons and ditches, <laughs> right? So what do you do? I, I shared that before, wrote it down. I'll use it. Yeah. At least another dozen times this week alone. And so what are you doing? That's the case. Well, of course, you just want to double down and go, is this really true? Yeah. Is this really the one? Because if not, I'm going to renounce all this. I'm going to say Caesar is Lord and yeah. I'm going to get out of here. Right. But if it's true, yeah. if it's true, then okay, then yeah. I'll lean in. And so this is why he goes, yeah. hey, let's figure it out. Sends the disciples to figure out what's going on. And even that background, like understanding yeah. Herod the Great and yeah. how much power he will weld wielded i don't know what the whatever that tense is yeah. like how much power he had like and to see who like herod uh this current herod yeah. like his father was like there would he's got reason to be scared right like he's got reason to be concerned because there's authority there's power his mentor was this dad who yeah. was vicious or, or like yeah. just power hungry like so it it, it makes sense to so, understand that john would have these questions of like Fear and anxiety. So the question for Antipas is the hokey pokey of how do I shut him up without yeah. getting these guys out there really, really angry? Yeah, right. So there's this, that's the tension he's got to manage. I want him not to say this anymore. I yeah. don't want him to point to this guy who he's saying the kingdom of heaven is here. Because here's the crazy thing. Herod the Tetrarch knew he wasn't God. Yeah, right. He knew he wasn't infallible. Right. Maybe not anybody else did. Same thing. He probably is pretty aware of Emperor Augustus and his brokenness. He knew the brokenness of his daddy, right? Mm. So... He's got to figure out, how do I shut him up without this being this massive revolt? Yeah, yeah. Right? So you got this tension here. And so that's where we find John the Baptist. And, I mean, he's a big part of the story, but he doesn't really, I mean, he just asked one question. Yeah, right? Right. That's it. He has one quote in, the, in this part of the story. So I feel like my question as we open to the actual verses. So 18 is kind of where we pick up. So we just finished uh, with last week with the, the woman with the widow and the yeah. son. And, and so news about... Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Then 18 says this, and I've got a question that's kind of directly connected. John's disciples told him about all these things. And then calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask. So John's disciples here tell John what has happened. Yet there's also kind of the second half of this where Jesus says to go report back. Does that mean that John got the same thing told to him twice or what is that um, look like no I, so what i'm imagining here right so <laughs> it's so interesting like you can imagine I, and this is just pure conjecture Speculate. right okay so disciples are meeting with john yeah. that's the way he gets fed so they're going to talk yeah, to him right. and you're imagining they're trying to go hey you gotta hear the good news this guy you've been talking about he's doing the stuff yeah. like all this kind of stuff imagine going to tell somebody in prison you gotta see your daughter walk. right Whoa. right in some ways, I'm really excited. In other ways, I'm missing out on it. Yeah. So John the Baptist is hearing the stuff. And the stuff, it says all these things. He's brought dead people back to life. Yeah. Blind people have started to see. So he, he's gotten those stories and he's hearing about this, this movement that's happening. So in some ways, he's probably excited. But probably the question for him is, wait, wait, are you telling me that this guy has all the power that we thought he would? And that he was going to be able to do all the stuff they thought we'd do, he would do? And he came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth? And yet he's forgotten me. Yeah. Right. There's that piece. Yeah. Well, where do I fit into this? Right. That's the loneliness of what yeah. happens in pain and sorrow. No, look, he didn't have 2000 years of church history later to go. Jesus has called him the greatest to ever yeah. live. And yet in that moment, you can imagine, like you can imagine the darkness and the yeah. despair and the depression from the loneliness. So he's right. there and all that news isn't probably filling him with the joy that you would think it would because yeah, he's right. in a dungeon. Right? right. Right. And so it actually probably... <laughs> creates more tension and doubt in him to go, well, if he's capable of all this, yeah. then, then did why? I not perform well yeah. enough? Did I not do enough? Or, or is he just the wrong one? Like, yeah. is he just a sorcerer? Like, what is this? So I think what we see is just real honest emotion of going, i got to figure out if I'm going to lean in here. Yeah, I feel like it's a typical yeah. human response, yeah. right? Like, this is what we go through, even us today. Like, you know, God is good, and then we face something that seems overwhelming, and we're going... I mean, if he allowed this, yep. why is he allowing it? Like, if he's good, this is not good. Like, this is difficult. This yep. is hard. This is challenging. And, and that kind of brings us right back to what we were talking about, yeah. kind of that first part of the series is of being able to walk through the door. Like, yep. I don't know if, if there's anything there more to talk about. Like, so the human human response that John has versus our response 
our typical response when bad things happen. Is there anything more there? So to- the one thing I kept saying uh, this this week, and we'll say some more. I don't know. Do you remember the Allen Iverson clip? We're talking about practice. practice? Oh, we're yeah. talking about practice. It's like this thing where people are asking Allen yeah. Iverson, the basketball player, you know, seven sixers, yeah. why didn't show up at practice? He was at the games. He was like talking about practice. So I kind of had them in my mind going, "We're talking about eternity. We're talking about eternity here." You know, like that's what I kind of imagine. And so, look, none of John's issues get resolved in that moment. Yeah. But we're not talking about the moment. We're yeah. talking about eternity. Like we are not human beings that happen to have a soul. We are yeah. eternal beings that happen to be placed on this planet for this this period of time, right? So so we're talking about eternity here, which I don't want to negate the pain and sorrow because it is real. Yeah. And in that moment, it was real to John. And it's fair and reasonable that he would have those questions. And it's fair and reasonable that we would have our questions. But we're talking about eternity. We're talking about an infinite period of time of full joy, and peace and blessedness, right? That's what we're talking about. So every time we go through this, I talk about the different kind of, you know, we know this about vaccines or whatever else there is. I'm not going to talk about circumcision because that one always throws us for a loop, right? All these different things that we decide to do in light of a, a temporary pain for a, a, a longer, yeah. you know, solution. And so it makes sense that in that moment, he would be in deep pain. And this is what I love about Jesus when he brings Lazarus back to life. He's given us a picture of eternity but before he does. John eleven thirty five says Jesus wept, mm-hmm. meaning he knows it. So he cares deeply for John, and he's going to talk up John. And so yeah. he is not at all offended or bothered by yeah, the right. doubts. Mm-hmm. It is reasonable that we would bring those doubts and maybe, maybe as we bring them, get Jesus' perspective of all this. So Jesus yeah. didn't look at John the Baptist going, time to suck it up. Yeah, right. He right. goes, no, 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 no. What he is going through... <laughs> No one else, like, he is the greatest to ever live. Yeah. He is literally in a dungeon. He is the greatest. I mean, that is a that is a profound statement. So yeah. he's going to, like, he's going to get it one day. But there in that moment, it's, yeah. it's painful. It almost feels like a compliment sandwich, right? Yeah. Like, you give a you give a compliment yeah. and you say something. Because it's like, you know, what did you come out to see? A reed? Yeah. You know, blown in the wind? Like, yeah. so it's like, wow, it seems... It seems harsh, but I think that you're right. I don't think that it is harsh. I don't think – because why would Jesus call him the greatest man? Yeah, yeah. Like – Never be born of a woman. Right. Yeah. So right. it's really interesting is you would think that he would go, how dare John Baptist doubts. Instead, he looks at all these people going, look at how great this is. And he goes, okay, why don't you grab a seat? Yeah, right. Why don't you pull the seat? Right. Listen, we're talking about eternity here. Yes. Yeah. I, I do want to bring up yeah. a question you're that right. one of our, our viewers – um, asked, and I think it's a great question. It says, uh, pardon me for jumping ahead, but it seems relevant in view of Sunday's message. In Luke 17, the disciples asked Jesus to increase our faith. Jesus's answer was basically that if uh, if you only do what is your duty, you are unprofitable. You are an unprofitable servant. This seems a little harsh. And he comments, and, I, and so I feel funny. like for me, the connection is, like, yeah, this is, this is, like John the Baptist, like, uh, is this is this harsh? Like, is this is there any connection there to that? So, yes, yeah, so a good question. Um, okay, Luke seventeen. I mean, he's just said some hard things to them. He's told them about how they're supposed to respond in mourning and care and support, and they go, uh, "We're going to need some help with our faith here." Yeah, and this is one of the places, and this happens throughout the scriptures, where Jesus decides to put a a magnitude or value on faith. This okay. is where one of the ones you see it in other places where he says, you have the faith that must receive, you can tell a mountain to move and it moves. He does the same thing. I'll tell you what, like they're asking for this increased measure to be able to do this. And he says something really interesting before he says about the duty. He says, look, if you just had the faith of a mustard seed, meaning again, it's not about the strength of our faith. I think it's one of the things we miss and the, the increase and the magnitude of our faith. It has everything, or even our certainty yeah. of our faith. It has everything to do with the object we place our faith in. Talk about a lot around here. It doesn't take a lot of courage or faith to jump out of a plane. Yeah, It takes one, one eighteenth or a hundredth or thousandth of a second to take your weight and put it here and put it out into gravity, right? And at that point, your faith or your courage do not matter anymore. It's just this little thing. And he, so what we got to remember is that we want to define faith because we think if we have more faith, it'll be easier for us to do it, right? And so Jesus is asking questions throughout as it's, uh, where'd you place your faith or where is your faith? Like, 
meaning have you misplaced it kind of thing. But here, the first thing you have to think is, okay, it's more about the object of faith. So they're still missing it, short-sighted. Yeah. We need more faith. And he's going, no, no, no. You need to lean in with whatever faith you have in mm. the supplier of this life. Right? Mm. So you got that. And so you go, okay. And then after that, this is where he talks about duty, which is so interesting. And when he talks about the duty there, oh, so beautiful. He gives an example that is so harsh. He talks about a servant. And he goes, hey, um, and I, I mean, I don't have this from memory. I saw the question. So I went and read it. I don't want to be like, wow, Josh knows all this. No, I actually went and prepared for this one because I thought it was a really good question. And so in it, uh, Jesus says something, almost chastises them and goes, hey, so if a servant, if I if if I had a servant and I, they were working out in the field and I called them in, I'm not going to say, hey, sit down and have a meal with me. I'm going to go, hey, you got a duty here. First, prepare your meal. Then you prepare the meal. And then clean up and then eat your meal. And that's a common thing. Very gracious of the the boss or whatever to be able to provide a meal. And so after you did all that and you look, give me a gold star, what he's saying is, what do you mean? All you did was what you were supposed to do. And yet you want us to hold a press conference and celebrate you? And so he goes, well, doesn't Jesus celebrate us and us love us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's think about all this. So let's think about what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven. I promise this will, this will be helpful. Let's take a second together. When you think about the kingdom of heaven, first let's think, what is the biggest obstacle to entering the kingdom of heaven? We go, well, faith will sort of. It's actually pride. Hmm. Pride. You know, St. Augustine somewhere, and we can find it, is pride is, pre is pregnant with all other sins. Like that's the initiator. When you see Satan get, you know, dispelled or expelled from heaven, it's, it's pride. And so when we're talking about pride, we're actually talking about two things. We're talking about performance and pleasure, hmm. right? So lots of peace, pride, performance, and pleasure. So when we think about one, pride says, my performance earns my merit. Hmm. <laughs> so Jesus is going, well, let's talk. And, and the other yeah. one is pleasure. You mean I should be able to have whatever I want. I should be able to enjoy these things. I should be able to experience all these things, right? How dare there be a king and a Lord who tell me that I can't eat that, drink that, do that, say that. How dare him? Like this this pride. And so let's go back to the performance piece. And we think about that and Jesus is going, okay, you want to make it about duty. You want to think somehow the way that you access the kingdom of heaven is you need more faith and, uh, and that so that you can perform better. You have now made faith about your performance, not about the object of it. So that's make it about what you want to make it about, which is duty. Okay, if it's about duty, who gets the gold star? You get the gold star for just doing your job? Hmm. Why would you get the gold star for just doing your job? That's actually what you're supposed to do. You see, in, in, in my kingdom, you're supposed to behave. In my kingdom, you're supposed to be perfect as I am perfect. You want to make it based on your performance? Okay, then let's see it. Pony up, do the right thing, and maybe you'll eat a meal with me. But you want me to celebrate you for it? Why would I celebrate you for it? Right? That's that's actually what you're expected to do, the kingdom of like the reason we hate injustice is because we go, that's not how it's supposed to be. And Jesus goes, yep, that's right. I expect you not to steal, cheat, lie, molest, take advantage of other people. That is actually the, the, the lowest bar for how you get in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the reality is if you think you can do that, then do it. Yeah. But when you get here, I'm not going to go, woohoo, you did so good. I'm going to go, yep, that's exactly what I expected. Okay. When, 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 disciples, you have made this in your pride about your performance. Now, but if you come to the conclusion that there is no way your performance can ever gain you access to the kingdom of heaven, right? There's nothing you can do when you get to that conclusion. And then you understand that I have given you a free key and invited you in. Now, all of a sudden, it changes everything about how we respond. So there's the battle with Christianity is we talk about enjoying God and worshiping him forever. Yeah. Right? So when we think about that, there's two terms, duty and desire, right? So when we think about the Christian faith, it's about duty and desire. But we can't get those backwards, right? And we do all the time. Duty. Got to do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. Then maybe I'll desire it. It's just the opposite. It's actually the desire that helps us do the duty, right? And so he's going, you want this to be about your duty first, but you don't even understand what this is about. You're just trying to go, okay, I want to perform, I want to perform. But you don't understand. Right now you're speaking to the God of the universe. Mm -hmm. Here I am right here. You want a gold star, but you don't get a gold star. You get the attention of the God of the universe right here next to you and if you could grasp that so little of your time would be trying to perform and show off how great you are because you'd come to the conclusion that it's i who am great not you and the fact that i'm letting you near me is far great more gracious than any of us ever deserve so yes you want to you want to you want to turn around the rubric and you want to make this about a grade then the best you can do is possibly perform correctly and then the best thing i can go is that was your duty hmm. so it's very complicated so we're going okay the thing about faith is, it's not about the size, it's about the object. 
In other words, I believe wholeheartedly that the only way I can do those things is if Jesus does those in me. Mm -hmm. So when they sum up the, the expectations of living in the gospel, and they go, oh, we're going to need more faith in order to do that. No, you don't need more faith. You need more Jesus. Mm -hmm. You need more Jesus. And the way that you get Jesus is you take whatever little faith you have, and you lean in fully with irreversible steps and full trust mm -hmm. and allow him to do that work in you. That's how it works. It's actually his work. It's just our witness, not our duty, not our performance. So I think that's what we're seeing there. And yeah. we get we, we get distracted on the word faith and the magnitude of it when it's all about the object. And we'll, we'll yeah. definitely cover that this upcoming week. And I feel like just again, Great question though, does it really just help yeah. us shape what faith is? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I think of this often. And I feel like I even bring it up often during overtime, but just how the, the disciples, like they place their faith in Jesus. Yeah. But yet as they grew, it says, like as they ha walk with Jesus, as they ministered with Jesus, as they saw him perform, it's their faith did kind of yeah. flourish in that. So I wonder if the object was Jesus and they started at 10%, yeah. but it grew by 5% increments or, or whatever that is that their faith continued to grow. Oh, we know that experientially. It gets yeah. a lot easier to jump out of a plane. Right, right. Right? So right. it's faith is the same thing. You're still placing your faith in that, yeah. that parachute. But if, the more you do it, the more confident you are in what has already been done yeah. there. So it makes sense that you walk in kind of with trepidation going, I certainly hope God comes through. Because if not, which is what faith is. If not, then we're in big trouble. The good news is we're not in big trouble. The yeah. good news is John the Baptist was not in big trouble because Jesus, who the, is the object of our faith, is going to see and work all things together for his good and his, uh, for John the Baptist's good and God's glory. All simultaneously, yeah. but we have to see it in a larger lens in light of eternity to yeah. get there. Yeah. So yeah. as you said on Sunday, so John is in kind of the doorway, right? Like he's in the doorway um, and he's down. And he's gone. Which way do I go? Yeah. He's yeah. uh, going, are you the one? And that's what we see. So sent his disciples, uh, who are Jesus' disciples as well, sent them to say, are you the one or should we expect, some, uh, expect someone else? Um, then the men came to Jesus. They said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you. Are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? And then verse 21 says, At that time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, and the deaf hear. Uh, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Um, so here is this list of things. So, so there's some news that's already been delivered to John, but now Jesus is is specifically saying, here's these things. Report everything yeah. you've seen and say these. Yeah. Is there a significance to these listed out things? Yeah, if I'm going to have more time, I want to spend more time on the board showing all those things okay. because what, what this is so so neat and so brilliant. you got to understand John the Baptist is, is an orator. Like he, yeah. is a, he's a prophet who hears from God and communicates with God, knows God's word and spent every day teaching on God's word. Right, and so right. when you think about what would he have been teaching, well, you got the four gospels, but there's something that typically sometimes people call it the fifth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the fifth gospel is considered Isaiah. Mm. So before you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, New Testament, they, yeah. they're being penned. You know, we get it because of Luke, but in the middle of this moment, none of those are written. Right, right. So the only real gospel, good news we have about a Messiah to come is actually the book of Isaiah yeah. in the largest format. So this whole idea of a suffering servant coming to pay the price for us so we don't have to pay it because we can't perform well enough, right? Yeah. That was the book of Isaiah. And so we got a we got an orator and a teacher and a rabbi, you know, even a hillbilly one, maybe not had the pedigree that would get, gotten that title, you know, in Jerusalem or Judea, but but this guy who would have been well-versed in the scriptures and particularly talking about prepare the way of the Lord. When John the Baptist is making that declaration, you see it in Luke chapter 3, He's actually quoting Isaiah 40. Yeah, right. These are God's words through Isaiah. So it's evident he knows that. So it's so beautiful when when we get finally to Jesus' word in Luke chapter 4. And I mentioned it briefly. When he gets to the, the, the synagogue in Nazareth, and people are going, oh, that's the guy. Let's go listen. He's already been doing some work. They're going to hear him speak. He actually opens up the, yeah. the scroll of Isaiah. But he doesn't open up to one place. That's what's so interesting. It seems like he opens up one place. He's in multiple places. At least two, maybe up to four, probably okay. up to four. And he this, and that's what he quotes. He quotes these things. He says, yeah. the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent the, uh, me to proclaim liberty to the captives, covering sights to the blind, and set liberty to those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of God's favor. And you see all these things. And so what's really neat is as Jesus is establishing, he is quoting Isaiah. John the Baptist would have known Isaiah. And so as he's saying these things, he's going, hey, guys, what you, yeah. what you just witnessed, it. he does that first. They ask the questions, he does the things, and now he's going to debrief them. What you just witnessed is mm. these things. Yeah. Now, when they go back and tell this to John, I promise you, with everything I am, 
John would have heard yeah. the prophet Isaiah's words. Yeah. So really, really important thing about this, you can go, okay, well, how in the world do we live in the kingdom of heaven? Faith. Romans 10, it says, um, really, really beautiful, but it says, faith comes from hearing. Yeah. Hearing comes from the word of Christ. This is so, so important. John the Baptist didn't see any of this stuff happen. Yeah. He's in a dungeon. So what does he do? Yeah. He hears it. And what is he hearing? The word of Christ. So we see Jesus initiated, step one. Step two, to comfort him on his doubts. He is, yeah. He's speaking these things. So John has no other senses to lean into. He wasn't yeah. there. He didn't taste it. He didn't see it. He's hearing the word of Christ. So we literally see this play out that he's going now, I'm, I'm seeing this experiential through you all. I'm seeing it through the joy that you're speaking this. But Jesus is reminding yeah. him that faith comes from the word, and the word is his, right? So I, I believe what's happening here is he is reminding him of the scriptures he's already studied. Yeah, going, right. Hey, John, you know this. We're talking about eternity here. Yeah. We're talking about keys to the kingdom here. And when I say these things, I certainly hope that antenna goes up and you go, oh, that's right. This is what I've been preaching. This is this is what I've been preparing for, this declaration. Yeah. So. It's almost beautiful that there's, it's not a secret message, but it looks like it's, there's a secret message in, in what John would understand yeah. and what Jesus speaks. Yeah. And so, so it's almost like, yeah, go tell him of yeah. your experience, but say these things that is going to connect the dots for him. And I wonder what it does. Uh, and this is just thoughts. Like, I wonder what it does for John in hearing that. Is well, that yeah, I think the relief thing is, and, when yeah. you think about the gospel, uh, well, saying the gospel of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, but yeah, fifth gospel there. There's a lot of clarity in that gospel that there is pain and sorrow yeah. in this world yeah. for the Savior. Right. So imagine even in that moment, it would have probably at least given John some comfort and solace going, yeah. okay, this is what the king this is how the kingdom of heaven begins yeah. here. It's with it's with persecution and with sorrow and strife. Yeah. So what we've been talking about for now seven weeks, it's actually pain and sorrow and strife that should get our antenna up to go. We are so close. Yeah. We're in the doorway. Blessings are on the other side. And so maybe for John, it's going, blessings are on the other side. Yeah. So I, just, I mean, it's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant that this is what happens here. And so easy just to miss if you're just grabbing a couple of verses. Yeah, but I don't, right. I, I promise you, John the Baptist didn't miss this. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. Like, I feel like, and even in, this is still kind of a thought I'm formulating in my mind, even as we're speaking, of going, man, the similarities between John the Baptist and what we go through, like it, it even continues. So it's like when we hit, difficulty like we go ooh, is lord what we believe that you're good but this isn't good so what's going on here but then even that like we can find comfort through god's word right yeah, like so, it's it's a beautiful picture even for us now that in, in some ways we can relate to john the baptist right? yeah so yesterday you know i meet with it and counselor every single week because i want to purge all my thoughts yeah. repent, change the way i think work through all the things and i'm going the lord is at work i mean the last two weeks wow what god's done and i wake up this morning i'm like you know there's so much to get done god what am i gonna do oh my goodness there's pain and sorrow in the world there's something i need to take care of and you know yeah. like like literally i mean less than 24 hours yeah, i've right. gone from the lord's got this to back to that old yeah. flesh of going, no, Josh, you got to perform. you got to do these things. And so I think that's a comforting piece is John the Baptist is there as well. Okay, yeah, yeah he's wondering, he's doubting, and there is just a ton of room. Yeah. In fact, there has to be, or none of us are welcome at, that with our doubts to kind of bring all that to Jesus and surrender those things. So, yeah, I think it's pretty neat to go, man, really gracious. But I don't want to make light of the situation. Yeah, it right. stunk for John the Baptist in yeah. your situation may very well stink right now. In fact, it, yeah. in some ways, I would almost guess it does. And that's okay to bring that to God and wrestle with, okay, Lord, I'm not sure how this fits into the kingdom of heaven. I just promise you there's a, that piece fits in this puzzle somehow, yeah. even though we can't see it. And and for John, it, it didn't necessarily get better. Like it did in the sense that he then got to, yeah. to enter into eternity, but it, he was beheaded. So if you're looking at just the circumstances of mm-hmm. his imprisonment, it didn't get any better, mm-hmm. but... But the reality of being able to live into the kingdom of God did change things. So I think that that's pretty cool. One of one of the things that you talked about on, on Sunday was that um, it, you were kind of comparing and contrasting. Uh, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So what we're talking about yeah. is those who have leprosy, they're cleansed, sight uh, to the blind. Like So there's this contrast of these two. Yeah. Here's and the problem. You, here's the, right. the reversal. Yep. And then you spoke to that one. Good news proclaimed to the poor. Was there anything more that you wanted to add to that from Sunday's notes, or is that pretty much all? Well, yeah, I think that's helpful. Even if we go all the way back to Luke 17, when Jesus is talking about duty. Yeah. As long as we believe there's some way that we can earn our our way in. Yeah. 
we're going to keep missing what faith is, right? Yeah. Like as long as we think there's enough rules, enough things that if I just get my act together, if I finally just turn this corner, if I, you know, plow through this hard enough that finally I can, I can open the door on my own, right? Like yeah. I can, I can barge on the door. And so that's why I like this, this word poor. It just means completely destitute. Like, and I, I wholeheartedly believe the only people who receive it as good news are those who have come to the conclusion that they need it, right? Yeah. And so that good news to the poor, it's really easy for us to go, okay, we're not poor, doesn't apply to us. We're not blind, doesn't apply to us. I'm going, no, no, no. He saved the best for last. And that's the one I promise you, even if none of the others apply to you, that's the one that applies to you because yeah. you are not rich enough. You do not have enough money. You do not have enough food to pay the admission price to get to the other side of the door. Yeah. So when he says this, this is a all-encompassing. He is bringing good news to those who don't have good news yeah. and you got some bad news as it relates to, I mean maybe in, as it relates to what's going on in your life but it, definitely as it relates to how you get access to the kingdom of heaven you cannot do it so that that message is the one that is universal to all yeah. of us there yeah so uh, continuing on in that so uh, verse 23 it continues on it says blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me um, and stop me if there's anywhere, anything that you want to jump in, but I'll just say, so continuing 24, after John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd and about John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind. So again, this so, is so good. A, so imagine he yeah. goes, bless the one who's not offended by me. Yeah. Now let me give you some examples of some things that might actually offend you. Right. right. Like so right. he goes, okay, you want to know what it's like to be happy, pull up a seat and then yeah. where it starts with is you don't take offense to this. <laughs> and our natural inclination. Oh, my goodness. I was listening to a talk yesterday by Christine Ockholtz with Carrie Newhall from yeah. the podcast. And he asked her the question of uh, at what point of your marriage were things when things kind of got – things are great for them, but they got off the rails. For, we all have okay. those experiences. And he goes, can you talk about what it was? And she says, oh, it, you know, like off the cuff, like real quick. It was, it, it was like – she said, it was when I was really easily offensible. Hmm. You know, like like – and we get there, you know, yeah, like, we, yeah. like, it's just when you get here, everything stings, everything hurts and everything's personal. Yeah. And when you get there, it's like, no one can talk to you about anything. It's yeah. just, you just got to get out of that mess in there. Cause you've just come to some conclusions, either you're a victim, everybody's out to get you, whatever those things are. And so Jesus is going to start with, Hey, you got to pick all that up and you got to listen to yeah. this. And so this is actually the hangup for the gospel for most of us as yeah. offense. Yeah, you shouldn't drink that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't sleep with that person. You shouldn't, you know, like there are some, there, there is some real wiring that God has for us. He goes, you want to live in the kingdom of heaven. Here's what it looks like. Yeah. And we're good with that as long as he's fixing our marriage, solving our bankruptcy. But then when he wants to be Lord of your calendar and the Lord of your checkbook and all those things, yeah. checkbooks, you have one, I think. You know, <laughs> when, when those things happen, you go, oh, not so interested anymore. And so yeah. that's really, really important that he goes, you want real happiness. Yeah. You cannot be offended you at what I'm calling you to do. about your battery? Uh, probably. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We yeah. just, just noticed batteries running it a little be bit low. So. faster. Yeah. So, uh, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off midstream. Yeah, sure you didn't. I don't know what's going on with it, but I'm sure it's on. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. So, one of the things, too, that you talk about is uh, is also, and I feel like you just briefly touched on that. I didn't know if there was something more that you wanted to talk so when that we get is to our the, desire to be comfort, yeah, so, like comfort. Yes, yeah, so I think the interesting thing there is when we get to the read piece, it's pretty funny. He's going, yeah. like, I think he asked this question three different times. I think they're really, really important questions. He asked over and over again, well, what did you expect? Yeah. What were, I guess that's a really important question that all of us consider is like, what exactly is it you're looking for? Yeah. So think about that. Like, when you came to church yesterday, are you logging in right now? What were you looking for? Yeah. Like, it can't be that you want to listen to me talk for an hour, right? Like, it can't be that. I'm not, I'm not even being facetious. Like, it just can't be that, right? It, yeah. So what is it you're actually looking for? And so he's asking people, look, you've traveled all out to the wilderness. You know who John is. What is it you're looking for? Someone who just told you what you wanted to hear? Yeah. Now, if you have any guts, you know that what you want to hear and what you need to hear are not always the same thing. Right, right. In fact, the people you love the most are the ones who can tell you what you need to hear, even when you want to want to hear it. And they've done the work. So when you go out there, like, what is it you're looking for? We're not talking about how to get, you know, seven steps to organize your life. We're talking about eternity right, here, right? right? And so when you think about what is it you're looking for, and so he's going to contrast and go, look, this is what you all think you're looking for. All the simple solutions, all the next steps and best steps, right? But what you 
deep down really wanted was yeah. the real truth that told you how you could live in and experience the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Right? And so that's what he's going to keep bringing back up. Yeah, right. So I'm going to change that. You keep talking. Yeah, and I just think I as I'm looking through that and even just reading through it, um, you know, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind. Um, if not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. In verse 26. But what did you go see? So there's a third time. Yeah. What did you go see? Um, a prophet? Yeah, you, yes. when you get to the third question, the third time, you probably should answer yeah, the question. Right, right, right. So I feel like yeah, I love just the questions in that. And I think that I remember hearing this whenever there's something repeated in scripture, like it's kind of, hey, you should pay attention to this. Yeah. And I think if I remember correctly, like twice repeated was like added emphasis. So a third time is like, hey, you really should yeah. probably pay attention to this. So, so and you got to think about this. This isn't for John. Yeah. Right. John doesn't hear this. He's no, he his doesn't. disciples on the way. He's just yeah. going, okay. You've just witnessed this. You've just seen it happen. You've yeah. seen me do all this stuff. You've seen me offer some advice on what, or some counsel on what they should go back and say. Okay. So now let me debrief with you. Yeah. You're wondering, well, aren't you going to break John out of prison? Yeah. <laughs> aren't you going to tell him when you're coming? You're wondering, aren't you going to like snap your fingers and say, the doors are open? Like, yeah, right. That's what you're looking for. But instead, how about this? What we're all looking for here, you and I, and this is the one common thing, arrangement we all have. We all would like to be happy. Yeah. Right? That's actually what you say about your kids. You, you go, I don't really care if they do. I just want them to be happy. Right? That's even our battle with telling them that there's behaviors that they shouldn't do. It's like, I just want them to be happy. And Jesus literally goes, you want that. Only exists full-time, long-term, eternally in the kingdom of heaven. You want that. The way that you receive that blessedness or that happiness is actually starts with not being offended. Mm. So let's not be offended by this talk. Let's actually position ourselves to go, Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I was looking for. I was actually looking for someone who could say, this is yeah. what God wants for me. Yeah. This is what he has for me. And so he's like, we know that. Now, let's actually talk about it. And so he's going to challenge them to think about what they're looking for in John yeah. versus the reality of the world. And the reason he's doing that challenge is because they had kings. Yeah. They had leaders. They had a bunch of people who could, you know, entertain them. But they all understood that that didn't get them into the kingdom of heaven. Right. So they had some suspicion there. So it makes sense. The reason you're following me and you're following John is because you were, you're primed for this. So let's yeah. figure out what the next step is to get you there. Yeah. So. Uh, so continuing on with that, it says in 26, but who did you have to see? A prophet. Yes. I tell you that. Uh, I tell you and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you. and will prepare your way uh Prepare your way before you. Sorry, this is an Yes, this NIV. is really good. The reason it's really good is because he finally answers the question for him. Yeah. He doesn't usually. He yeah. usually is asked. So this is right. pretty important that he answers the question. He asks the question three times and he gives an answer. And here's the answer he gives. And he says this. Behold, I send my messenger before you, uh, before your face, who will prepare the way for you. So what did you come out to see? A prophet. Yeah. Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet. So really... What, what we understand is these people are looking for, you and I are looking for, is like, if God is real, I'd really like for him to speak to me. Yeah. When he goes, well, you got that. And John, like, literally, sorry, I mean, you got that. Like, John literally was speaking on behalf of me. And you go, oh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so yeah. sure. Well, that he didn't. So is it that you're looking for God's words? Are you looking for God's words to affirm what you want? Because those are. Two different things. And that's yeah, why Jesus yeah, yeah. is going to even narrow this down a little bit more to, t to contrast two different types of people. He's going, yeah. so you got to decide. Do you want to hear from God? Or do you want God to affirm you? Because we're talking about eternity here. So we got to figure out what that, how that works. Yeah. So, so I feel like I want to ask, and it's kind of even a rephrasing. So I, I mentioned in a, a few minutes ago about like this idea of comfort. And you did talk about it briefly in the service. But I feel like, so Jesus just gave the biggest compliment ever, like 28. I yep. tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is is greater than he. Like, so uh, I want to unpack that, but I also want to look at this in light of John because his situation didn't get better. He's yep. ultimately beheaded. So what is, does this tell us anything about comfort and the kingdom of God and what that looks like? Do we place too much priority and emphasis on comfort in our day-to-day -day lives when we're not called to that? I don't like, think so, no. I think, well, it, I think we look inside of ourselves to go, what is it we're longing for? Yeah. Right? Happiness, joy, 
safety, security, yeah. and comfort. But if we think about all those things, what we're really looking for is comfort. Yeah. Right? The reason I want security is so I can feel comfort. The reason I want happiness is so that I don't I feel comfort. And so I don't think it's bad to look for comfort. I think it's bad to think that you're the source of your own mm. comfort. That you'll find comfort in anything but That's Christ. right. And okay. so here's what I think is beautiful about this. Yeah. I think John the Baptist mm. found comfort. Yeah. That's, that's and it great. is astonishing that he would have found it that way because we now get a picture of yeah. comfort doesn't come from the places that we think it will. Like, think yeah. about it. Like, yeah, that's good. I got. I mean, we know this all the time. We know people that we found our comfort in, they died yeah. or they left us. Then what do we do, right? Yeah. Well, if they, if it's depending on that, I found comfort in our bank account or our yeah. 401k. Like those things do not save us or satisfy yeah. us. And so the comfort is hard, you know, yeah, hard written in your yeah, soul, that longing. But the yeah. problem is you're not going to find it in the things that you mm. think you are. And so he's going, okay, let me give you a picture of this. You even think your comfort can come from being highly valued, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if I think about it, I go, well, I'm highly valued. Then even if I lose my job, someone else will hire me. So, you know, whatever those things are, right? This highly valued. And he goes, let me tell you who's the greatest of all the greats. John the Baptist. Yeah. And he's in a dungeon. Yeah. But, 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 I tell you, if he's the greatest there, in the kingdom of heaven, he's the least in this. Meaning, you have sold yourself far too short in your dreams, mm. in your hopes, in your aspirations, in what you're seeking. Right? No, no. In the kingdom of heaven, what we've seen here in John the Baptist, it minuscule yeah. compared to what's available to us in the here and now and for all eternity. So, he's speaking to some people who probably aren't looking for a long-term solution. Yeah. They're not looking for eternity. That's why I keep going, we're talking about eternity here. They're thinking, John the Baptist said there'd be someone who would overthrow the government so that I don't have to live yeah. in this kind of oppression anymore. I don't have to pay those taxes anymore. I can get my land back. And he's like, whoa, 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 John the Baptist really did that stuff here. But we're open the door. Yeah. We're talking about over there, yeah. which is just, it, it's bigger than we're looking for. Yeah. You you said this in exactly that on Sunday. I thought it was good. I wrote it down and said, uh, you're not look. we're not looking for a solution of birth to death, but for all eternity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like so that's, we're that's yeah. it. so we're still thinking on this side of the door. Yeah. And they're like, no, yeah. no, no, no. You are not a human being. You are an eternal being. You just yeah. happen to be placed on this earth right now on this side of the door. But that's what's available to us. And so we can start thinking and living and believing and investing that way. But 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 that's offensive because some of the things you think about and invest in are a waste of your time and money and energy. And they won't suit you, won't satisfy you, and definitely won't save you. Yeah. So I'm just reading this next verse. So 29 then says, um, when all the people heard this and and the tax collectors too, uh, we've talked about how tax collectors were the lowest of the low. So it's yeah. here they get like even a shout out, like even those low lights, right? Yeah. Like, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just. Having been baptized with the baptism of John, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized yeah. by him. Pride? Performance yeah. and pleasure, right? Yeah. So some go, that makes so much sense because I cannot perform what I'm doing. I don't deserve any of that stuff. And John told me that there is someone who was coming so that I could see his salvation and trust it and lean in fully. And I've leaned in fully and you're telling me that's the true life? Yeah. Awesome. And the other guys are going, no, 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 no. I'm, I got I got a 401k. Yeah. Right? We're seeing this. Not, I don't want to get political here. Right. About the wrestling of right now with um, student loan debt. Yeah. For the most part, not everybody's this way, but for the most part, there's two different camps, right? The ones who have already paid it and the right. ones who haven't. Right. And their opinion about that is different. The ones who haven't gone, heck yeah, the ones who have gone, wait, I've already done that, shouldn't you? Yeah, I'm right. not saying that it's a lot more complex than that, right? And I get that and don't want to get into those details. But depending on how good of a performer we are, right. we don't really need the extra help, right? right? right. But the ones who aren't good performers, of course, they're going to lean in fully. It's actually easier for them to lean into the kingdom of God. This is yeah. the eye, you know, the needle camel, right? Because it makes perfect sense. So John started with the riffraff, not the ones who had to be detoxed from all this stuff. Like John yeah. started with those who had already come to the conclusion and go, you can't offend me. You know those people? You can't offend me. And then you know religious people? Oh, goodness, be careful what you say or do. Yeah. You know? So like he started with the people who weren't easily offendable, right? So this is so beautiful. So that's what you see here. This this the two categories. One goes, I, I know that's stupid. The other one goes, yep, I'm all in. Yeah, right? so. yeah. So as we kind of continue, yeah, like the, the last part of, of that, like 31, 
um, in 32 specifically, like, and I would love for you to maybe retell that because at first you're like, like you're, what? you're tracking and then you're like, what? wait, no, what? what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, we're like children. So, so 31 into 32 says, uh, and Jesus can, is speaking here. It's in red. So it says, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation and what they are like in verse 32. And this is where kind of like first reading, you're like, yeah. I don't get it. He says, they are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. Um, and then I don't know if I should read the next one. I'll read 33 yeah. as well because that'll kind of bring us to the end for this week. It says, for John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, yeah. a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors, there they are again, and yeah. sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. So he goes, how do I compare these generations? Yeah. And at the end he goes, wisdom is, here they are, right? There's two different sets of children. Yeah. Wisdom. There's the wise and then there's the foolish. So it starts with how do I compare them? Oh, they're like a generation. At the end we get, here's the two classifications. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. So we got to figure out what he's trying to say here. And it is confusing. And honestly, I, I read it several times going, okay, most of them I like to just go, I just need, I just want the scriptures, right? Yeah. Then I would go, I mean, silly, go look in the Greek. And go, I just want the scriptures. And then I'm like, I'm going to need some help here. Yeah. So, so you think about it. And there, I mean, it, and I guess what I understand is there are some silly games that kids are to play. I mean, they didn't have okay. Nintendos back no. then. So they did, you know, uh, they still do this, like role play stuff, right? Yeah. And so each kid would perform and they'd perform a certain thing. You can think about it now. Probably the best, uh, what's most analogous in this would be like teachers in school. Okay. Or doctors. So I don't, that one's a little more awkward to talk about, but the teachers. There's the teacher and then there's the students. Yeah. The teacher teaches. And in, in, in the play game, what do the teachers want the students to do? Yeah. Listen and obey. Yeah. But what do kids actually do when the teacher's teaching? I'm talking about in the play game. They don't listen. They go, when is it my turn to be the teacher? Right. Right? So it's that kind of thing. It's this game that they're playing. There's people playing the songs and they're going, okay, where are the kids dancing? Where is my audience? Yeah, right. That's all it is. Where's my audience? In other words, I'm a performer. You're the audience. Yeah. So I talk about it even with my kids and yeah, you know, I thought that was a good. So it's like yeah, everybody yeah. wants to talk, nobody wants to listen, right? Yeah. So what it has everything to do with it is about your performance. And he goes, those of you who are going to spend your life and all your time and energy trying to perform, you're foolish. Those of you who have come to the conclusion that you can't perform well enough, you're wise. Like this yeah. isn't like some ah oh, so crazy. It's like little kids perform, and when they perform, they get upset that the ones that perform for don't want to pay attention. Yeah, that's all it is. And you, 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 you're upset when you want to perform and people don't listen and pay attention to you or don't fill your cup in the way that you want to. And he goes, yeah. two different times people, you're their child, but that's what you do. And you're going to spend all your life performing, but no one's really watching and no one's really caring. Mm. Or you're going to throw down performance and go, it's all kingdom of heaven. And I, it's not my, it's not because of my duty, but it's because of my desire and what this looks like. And so, so, so there's just two, two angles. I'll go ahead and hit that as we wrap yeah, up here. Yeah, yeah. There's two different ways to view all this. With your doubts, which you have them, you're always going to have them. It's fair that you have them. This is how to have it. You will have doubts. So what do you do with your doubts? What does John the Baptist do with his doubts? There's one of two options, only one of two options. Either it's awareness or it's analysis. You take your doubts and you analyze all the reasons why your doubts are appropriate and how God, you should be suspicious of God. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, he's bigger than I am. Yeah, He's on that side. I'm on this side. He tells me the only way to that side is through him. Either that is true or that is false. If it is true, everything else I see is through that land. So even though I can't see it, even though I don't understand it, my awareness is God is the sustainer of life. And he is the source of happiness and joy and peace and eternal life. That's all God. So either I start with that conclusion and see everything else through it, or I start with, nope, I'm kind of the center of me. Yeah. And I get to decide what happens. And then, therefore, God is on trial. Your friends are on trial. Mm. Your kids are on trial. And everybody's on trial. And you're performing. And you need them to celebrate you. And they're not doing a very good job. Yeah. Right? And so it's analysis or awareness. And I would say, well, you know, not, not personally, maybe we haven't gotten here yet. But you know you don't want to be around people who are always in analysis one. Right. It's exhausting. So this idea that we know better, see better, understand better than God is absurdly arrogant. Yeah. And, and yeah, we've all been in that category. Yeah. I've been in that category this week. Yeah. So it's not like I'm going, shame on you. It's got a position of things. Oh, I'm, I haven't doubts. Okay. How do I view this knowing that God is sovereign and Lord versus how do I view this to determine whether or not God's sovereign or Lord? Right. That's the difference that we got to figure out. And as we get there, God becomes the hero of the story and the object of our faith that we go, 
all desire, duty comes from that. Yeah. And we'll see that this upcoming week. Yeah, that's good. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add kind of in the final few minutes? Anything else that you wanted to talk or didn't quite make it or, or any final thoughts? No, I don't I mean, the only thing I think is um, Jesus says, and we've read it, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them in the practice is like a wise man, wise man to build his house on the rock. So I just go, hey, that's not, let's not see doubt as the solution for, or the reason for worry and pain and suspicion. Yeah. Let's see doubt as the uh, initiator or the flag that's waving you go, now's the time to really lean in. Yeah, yeah. So, two options with doubt. You go back to where you came from, which none of us liked, <laughs> and you walk forward into where Jesus is. So I had to say, even though doubt seems really, really hard to, to live in, it is the perfect time to lean in. Mm. And last thing I'd say there, it's really, really hard to lean in by yourself. And this is what I love about the story of John the Baptist is he didn't have to. Yeah. If I'd had time, I would have talked about it in the sermon. The beauty of the story is he had two buddies. Yeah. Who are reminding him of God's faithfulness, yeah. reminding him of his goodness. So what I would challenge you is that doubts are really a big problem for you right now. Remind, find people who can remind you of God's faithfulness. That's good. And, and, and if you're around people who are really, really struggling, you be the source to remind them of all yeah. that God is doing. That's an important part of the story that's easily missed yeah, in yeah, the sure. last few seconds to get there. But really, really important as we think about community and what it means and yeah. why it helps us in our faith and our doubts. Yeah. So, uh, so thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this. If you're watching live, thanks for hanging in there in the beginning difficulties that we had. Um, we are here pretty much every week, so we would love for you to be a part of this by asking any questions that you have, either regarding the message or just in general, just faith questions that you have. Uh, you can email us at overtime at, CLC uh, overtime at clcfamily.church, or if you want to, you can text us the church number 610-869-2140. We would love for you to be a part of that and part of the ongoing conversation. So thanks so much. We hope you have a blessed week, and we hope to see you again next week.